0: And Dfs players and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host Bobby Sylvester, and I'm with producer JP Gale as always. Today, our guest is Doug Nori of DailyFantasySportsRankings.com or just DFSR.com. Hi, Doug. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, really appreciate you guys having me. Look forward to talking some Week Four football. So, how have you done the first three weeks? First three weeks have been pretty great for us for our site and our projection system. Um, all things considered, you know, I judge it based on total number of slates. So we are our, our, our slate coverage has been fantastic, especially the smaller ones. There was a couple main slates where we got a little buzz, but overall the ROI for the first 3 weeks of football has been about as good as we could imagine it to be. So I'm really I'm really happy with the way things are
0: going. I'll be honest, this is probably the best 3 weeks I've ever personally had for DFS uh, in terms of NFL. I haven't got that big prize, but I've been consistently up there in the cash. I've been doing a lot more research because it's, it's my job now, right? You know, it's going well, and I, I hope I can keep up that streak and and maybe take down one of those big ones.
1: Well, the, the, the best thing about the industry now is that if you are willing to put in and have the time to research it, all of the information is basically there. There's only so many data points you can use for NFL at this point, and that's why you'll see a lot of overlap, even with just different outfits putting out a lot of the same plays because at this point the knowledge in the dfs game is out there if you want it right and so and if just for like the regular the common person too like this the guys like not like us that have the time to research it um and the time to spend on it but that knowledge is just out there that people the things have been written up but i think there is just there are just opportunities to cash just by doing
0: you know just a just a modicum of research you know and here's the thing if you're playing gpp And you're not in the positives right now. I mean, that happens. Most people are in that situation, and the thing is, most people look at it like it's entertainment money, and it's it's a very cheap source of entertainment. It's an absolute blast on the weekends, and it just takes one good week to get back in the positive. So, um, you know, don't be changing your strategy. Just keep doing the research, and uh, you know, you may end up positive, and and if you don't, it's fun anyway. It's it's not that big of a waste of money unless you're playing these. uh, these, these huge tournaments and, um, you know, not, not really being responsible with the way that you're spending, but DFS is so much fun. It's, it's worth it. Oh, it, it improves my Sunday by, well, it's, it, it simultaneously improves it. And then, uh,
1: sometimes it goes the other way because I stress both, both about our, our, my own bankroll and our own projection systems. So I feel like sometimes I'm taking on the user's bankroll in, in just in my own, uh, in, in my own
0: psyche, but overall, no, it's been, it's been a great start and looking forward to have it keep going. You know, I kind of have the opposite approach. I just feel like if the advice that I give doesn't turn out to be right, I don't think that I'm wrong. I think like, well, I give the best, I give the best possible advice. The the NFL players just didn't do their job.
1: I should have you be our PR person because we definitely have some people that I would love to explain that to them. And they just don't seem to, <laughs> <they> don't <laughs> seem to always want to be able to hear that line of thinking. It's a little, <laughs> but, uh, but if we, the more people we can get like that and just say, no, man, it's just a, uh, it's their bad, not our bad. So,
0: so sometimes people aren't always willing to hear that. <laughs> I, I'm a data scientist. I, uh, I analyze the numbers and, You know, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the best situations as many times as you can. And if you're a great player, you're going to win 60% of the time and you're going to lose 40% of the time. So, you know, if you've lost the first three weeks, that doesn't mean you're a bad player. It just means, you know, the numbers haven't been in your favor yet. And uh, if you keep doing the right thing, they'll turn around.
1: It was funny with the other night. I mean, this is this baseball relay, but we had like this an unbelievable night in our baseball projections like two nights ago. And someone in our chat room said, Oh, what was different about tonight? And I said nothing. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's been it's been the same these are the same inputs. It's just you do the same inputs over and over over the long term over a huge sample size. If you trust what you're doing, then it's going to work. And some nights it'll work out great, some nights it won't, but over the long term in the aggregate, you'll you'll be okay. So, so the the long story isn't yeah, nothing's different. It's just that you we just hit on a on a great night tonight. And that's just that's kinda how it goes sometimes.
0: Well, Doug, let's take a look at our week four picks and uh, maybe some players that we're low on that we think people are uh, you know, should fade even though they're going to be highly owned. We'll start at the quarterback position, and I want to talk about these two elite guys right there at the top. Cam Newton and Drew Brees seem to be the best bets for the most QB points. Uh, which one do you think is the one to go with in cash games?
1: Yeah, for me, it's kind of not close in ter- in favor of Cam. I I think that he is just the clear cash play this week and. I like Breeze from a raw points perspective, but if you look at sort of how their seasons have broken down so far, they're about the same in terms of fantasy points per game. They're right in the range with each other. The difference being, though, Cam has played against at least two close-to-elite defenses in Denver and Minnesota, and Breeze has run through the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Giants. The fact that they're even close in terms of overall raw points through those th- three very different matchups S- speaks to what our numbers are already saying, which is that Cam is by, like far and away the, the play this week. So it's all it's all Cam for me. The floor is so high because he can run. He makes up so many points in terms of just the rushing yards and the red zone usage with him. For me,
0: I, I think I'm really uh, – there's almost no way, any slate that he's available, I'm playing Newton. You know, the things about Newton that scare me a little bit You know, he's been dealing with some minor injuries here and there, and you never know how much that's actually going to affect a quarterback on any given day, but I'm looking at his game logs last year, and he had those four remarkably good games. I mean, he was, if you did not have him in your lineup, you had absolutely no chance to win the GPP. He was so good, but if you look at the rest of his games, I'm not going to say he was mediocre, but he was like, yeah, barely a top 10 quarterback. If you only take those 12 games and that's, that's a big sample size, 12 games, so you know i definitely think he's a great gpp play even with his price point but i'm nervous to play him in cash it's mostly just the, the
1: the running that for me that makes him that gives him such like i keep saying floor but really all in cash i'm looking for is to hit to hit a certain marker right and so the guys that are able to hit that are the guys that can produce points in the most different kinds of ways, right? So, like game script won't affect him maybe as much as a guy like Breeze. Now, look, the Saints pass a ton anyway, so it's I'm not so worried about the volume. They they have to keep ha- their defense is so bad that they just are going to have to pass all season basically because they're just they have to score on almost every possession <laughs> to keep like in the game. But um, that's a, that's where Breeze really helps himself just in terms of pure volume, but. You know, the the Panthers are beat up in the running game, which means they've had to just sort of rely on him. Like he's seen 11, 6, and 7 rushing attempts per game. Um, The Falcons are just such a worse defense than anyone they've really played so far this year. And I don't know if he hasn't gotten a true... We haven't gotten to see what he can do against a team that Will score has some offense, but also just has trouble stopping anyone on defense. I, it's mostly just it's mostly that piece of it for me. Like he's been so good anyway, and now he gets to play against a team that's dramatically worse on defense than basically what he's faced already.
0: And plus, Drew Brees is on the road. Uh, he's going to San Diego, which a lot of people don't realize this, but it's a pretty windy stadium. And you know, when you're passing, the wind is really the only weather factor that I care about. And that might that might shake him up a little bit. Now, I'm not saying it's going to make him less than a top five quarterback, but I am saying he might not win you a GPP. So I'm actually avoiding both of these plays Hmm. and I'm spending down on quarterbacks this week, which I usually don't do. But there's some guys that I like. So let's talk about value at the quarterback position. If you're not going for one of these top guys. Who are some value QBs that you like? Yeah,
1: well, i will be interested to hear who you're spending down on because there's a couple of guys in this range. Though for me, I don't consider them. Say, I really can't overstate how safe I think Newton is. So probably, I probably I I won't say it again because the point of being uh, of being like super repetitive and boring. But so I, I don't know if I personally will go down to this range. I think a guy that will be popular to play this week is Rivers, mostly be because the Saints' defense, the aforementioned Saints' defense, is such a train wreck that he he has a nice price, but his price, I, I'm a little more interested on in DraftKings and FanDuel. He's the same price as Breeze. I'd rather, play, I'd rather play Breeze probably at the same price point. And the other problem with this week is that because of, well, there's a Thursday game, obviously, there's obviously that Sunday morning game, which throws things off a little bit. So you lose a couple players there and buys. The player pool is just much smaller this week. That being said, I, the couple of cheaper guys that I could go for here, I don't mind Flacco against Oakland just because his Oakland has some issues in the passing game and or the passing defense Flacco's was a pretty um all things considered a pretty accurate passer so i don't mind him i don't mind kirk cousins either he's Kind of, sort of, started to straighten things out last week against the Giants. Though we had talked a lot about it, there was really nothing wrong with him. The Redskins just do a bad job of like media presence and like <laughs> throwing guys under the bus at the wrong time. So there was it Didn't seem to be any issues with Cousins. Cleveland got passed all over uh, by the Dolphins last week. Cousins could be in a similar situation here. So and then I like I don't mind Matthew Stafford. Um, Stafford the Chicago though they're not good against. Well, excuse me. If you look at their yards per game. It, it appears as if Chicago good defensively against the pass, but if you look at their pacing and some more advanced metrics like DVOA, they're really pretty bad. <laughs> and so if and, and Detroit is incentivized to pass because their run game is so decimated. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the running backs there, but so I don't mind. Those are some of the guys I don't mind. Stafford is a little more expensive, but I see him more of a, as
0: a contrarian play uh, just because of the matchup. You named the three big guys for me. Uh, oh, well, well done, oh, Joe Flacco. <laughs> Matthew Stafford, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins at home. That's a nice price. There's two GPP guys that I really like. Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like Russell Wilson's GPP play any week. Uh, Four out of the 16 weeks last year, he was the top GPP quarterback. And, uh, you know, a lot of times he's not going to be there. But you never know when it's going to be. He's going to the Meadowlands. They have a great run defense. I think that they're going to have to pass the ball quite a bit in that game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if... You know, that opens up the field for him to scramble and run for 50, 60 yards and maybe a touchdown or two. There's always that chance with Russell Wilson. And then the other guy to me, this one's sneaky. I talked about him in the Wednesday episode. It's Matt Ryan at home against Carolina. And a lot of people are going to be off him. He's a a kind of contrarian play. I wouldn't be surprised if he's under, you know, 1.5% owned. But this Carolina secondary, now that Josh Norman's gone, I'm not impressed by And I get it. They have a great pass rush. But Atlanta also has maybe the best offensive line in the league behind Dallas, and so I think they're going to be able to hold uh, that Carolina pass rush, and I think Matt Ryan puts up another real big game, and at that price point, I love him for GPP.
1: Yeah, the, the Falcons' implied total is, is about as high as you'll see from an underdog this week, so it's minus Carolina's minus three, with right around 51. If you think that they're going to have to pass to keep up, and I think they will, I, I really like the Ryan play. The, the Wilson one falls into that Cam territory of guys that can scramble, Will just always, just always have just so much more upside. They rely so much more just on themselves than having to make sure that someone catches the ball. I mean, it sounds so like silly and obvious, but yeah, like a guy like Breeze just has to make sure that every pass lands in the correct place. Where guys like Wilson, um, Cam, I mean, to some degree, like Tannehill runs a lot, so those guys just don't have to worry as much about them. So, no, I'm totally with you on those, especially from a game script perspective for Atlanta. If you're going to play a little bit from behind. Then you always just have a nice chance to sort of hit some upside, especially late game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there another contrarian play that uh, that you're fond of that you think could end up in that million dollar lineup this week?
1: If if Cutler didn't play, I would play Hoyer. Um, like he didn't look too bad. He's really cheap on DraftKings, and no one's going to play him because it's like Brian, it's Hoyer, <laughs> and they just probably don't want to play a name like that. He was not too bad. Uh, last week when he when he was forced to kind of play they have a couple of weapons there you know he ended up throwing 50 passes it's not out of realm of possibility they'd have to do that again just to play catch up against this team the price is so cheap i mean last week he threw for 317 and two touches again cutler might play and i don't really want to play cutler if he is playing but if Cutler were to sit i think hoyer is just a fine play against the detroit defense that got thrown all over last week by aaron Rodgers. so i don't mind just just totally punting the position with a guy like
0: him and then just loading up everywhere else. Doug, I'm starting to think that maybe you hacked into my computer and stole my notes. (laughs) Brian Hoyer is plugged into my DraftKings lineup right now, Uh, my main DraftKings lineup. He's so incredibly cheap. He's cheap on both sides. I mean, he's cheaper than Case Keenum. And Brian Hoyer is a guy who slings the ball all over the yard. Like you said, they're going to be playing from behind because that Chicago Bears secondary is still so banged up. Jim Bob Cooter's offense is great. And uh, I like Brian Hoyer a lot to hit value. Maybe he could even go 5X this week. It would be crazy. But if he goes 5X, that means, uh, you know, his for those of you listening, that means his thousands of dollars. So he's $6,000 times 5, 5X. So that would mean if he scores 30 points. Now that's a huge week. But if he does that, he's definitely going to be in the top GPP lineups. Whoever has him is going to win. And his ownership is going to be so low. Um, you know, say his ownership is one, two percent. I'd say there's a five percent chance of him being the guy that's in GPP lineup. So that's a great investment.
1: He has just he has the, all the contextual factors you would need to hit value really in his favor, and he's actually a guy too that if you were going to use him, I would have no issue. Especially let's let's say we're just really talking about the DraftKings million where you just need to hit the total nuts out of the box with with all, basically all your plays. I would have no problem even leaving more money on the table, like maybe envisioning him as a $6,500 quarterback, let's say, and leaving money on the table to play the rest of your lineup. Because one, you'll get separation by very few people will make that kind of lineup because people just want to fill up all their salary cap. And again, in cash games, you should. But for that, you don't need to. So if you you thought he was really supposed to be like a $6,500 quarterback, you go and make your lineup with that in mind, with the idea that you'll get separation because very few other people will make a similar kind of lineup.
0: You know, the thing is, I'm looking at my rankings and I'm looking at these salary points. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 6900 against Seattle's secondary. I'd rather have Brian Hoyer this week. Oh, definitely. Not even close.
1: Actually, kind of not that close for me, really. I mean, especially if Eric Decker weren't to play for <laughs> for the Jets. But no, yeah, I'm with you. I think Hoyer's he's mispriced if he's the starter for sure. I have a question, though. If Alshon doesn't go, are you pulling him out of your lineups? That would be a hit to him. I mean, Jeffrey hasn't done a ton this year. It, it definitely hurts him. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, I know I'm stumbling on this answer, but probably because it would be very difficult for him at that point to really blow it out of the box without many other weapons. They have a few other, I mean, Zach Miller emerged a little bit last week. They have a running back that I'm sure we're going to talk to talk about in a second, but there'd be, be, that'd be, that'd be a pretty hard thing for him to make up, especially just from a defensive coverage aspect, because they won't be able to hone in on him and he can't then look at secondary options. So that would, that would definitely hurt him.
0: Yeah, I can't make up my mind about it either. I'm watching that one closely because I love Alshon. I love Kevin White, too. We're going to talk about him in a second. Well, I guess uh, after we talk about running backs, But I like his situation if those two guys are going. All right, let's move over to those running backs. And Doug, who do you think the top-owned player is going to be at the running back position? And are you fading him or playing him this week? I think that the chalk
1: is probably Melvin Gordon, I would say, going. You know, if you just watched any really – if you watched any part of the, what the Falcons did to the Saints last week, they just couldn't stop anybody through the, on the ground. Well, they really couldn't stop anybody at all anyway, but I think Gordon, based on his implied volume, what he's been able to do with the Chargers just a little banged up, especially without Woodhead there, and just the Saints on defense are such a, are such a train wreck that I think you end up seeing him as the – he likely is the highest-owned running back on both sites, and I don't think I would fade him in cash, no.
0: You know, I'm looking at these ownership percentages. We project our ownership uh, percentages now for FanDuel and DraftKings. And this is the oddest week we've had so far this season, because usually there's one or two guys that stand out. You project them at, you know, 18, 19, 25% sometimes Mm. on FanDuel, But this week we have six guys projected at over 10%, and they're all pretty close. We've got David Johnson and Melvin Gordon right there at the top, um, just because David Johnson, he has a great matchup. He's a great talent. Uh, he's in a, in a good situation. They're going to be playing from up. I like a lot going on with David Johnson, but yeah, Melvin Gordon, he's the safest play. Now, one player that I think is going to be really highly owned is Jordan Howard, just because of that price point. Thirty seven hundred on DraftKings, fifty six hundred on FanDuel. Doug, I know you were thinking about him earlier, so tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, he's for
1: me in cash. I think basically a must play on DraftKings at thirty seven hundred because well, a couple reasons. So there's a couple quarter. There's a couple running backs. Where injuries have sort of vaulted them to the top of the food chain, but they're still sort of running back by committee issues. And Howard, to me, doesn't strike me as that problem. Now, the Bears are bad and they could be losing. The fact that he was heavily targeted in the passing game last week keeps his floor so high because he just should be out there as an every down back. So I think no matter what sort of happens with the Bears this week, he should he should hit value for at least his DraftKings price. I right now have him at, in cash games on both Fanduel and DraftKings because of that. So if you compare him to say the I don't know like Dwayne Washingtons of the world, where they may get more carries, they're just not, they're not guaranteed to be every down guys and every down guys and lose and possibly losing efforts. And so that's where that's where I think Howard is. A value play and he's just a safe play and he's not a name I guess he was like sort of a college running I think with the Indiana he was like sort of a name in college he's just not that good of a player but if he's just going to be out on the field the whole time then there's just a lot of value in that
0: yeah Jordan Howard was a fifth round pick and yeah I, I don't love his athletic profile and I don't love his game script but that price is just too good now my concern is Kadim Carey right now he was held out of practice on Wednesday uh, with his hamstring issue but if he plays how many touches is he going to get? Is that going to hurt Howard at all? I don't think so. Only because we saw what can... I mean, it's, it's
1: hard to know. And it's really hard to trust coach speak on stuff like this because you just don't know when it's a totally new situation. The fact that he hasn't practiced too much and the fact that Howard was just sort of the guy last week when Langford was down that just strikes me as pretty safe. And really just the price is what makes it safe, right? So he doesn't need to, he actually doesn't even need to score a touchdown on the DraftKings price. He just needs to get somewhere in that 20 touch range, which I think is totally conceivable w- between the pass game and the run game. And that's really kind of all you need. So even if Carey were to play, I just don't see him eating into enough of the volume from, from Howard. And, and, I'm, and I'm with you that he's just not a very good player. So again, I can't overstate that enough either. Like he's, just, he's not good, but sometimes... Just your, your opportunity trumps that.
0: You know, when we were talking about 5X value with Brian Hoyer, these Bears players are cheap. At Howard's price point on DraftKings with PPR, it, it is not out of the realm for him to get 7X. I mean, that would be a really good game, but players like Jordan Howard have good games like that, I don't know, maybe 8 10% of the time, and have a chance at 7X and 10% chance at 7X? That, that is a great upside GPP play too.
1: And I think, and sometimes it's correct to play the chalk, even in tournaments when you know they're going to be the chalk. And he's a guy that strikes me as that kind of guy, right? Like it, you can fade him. It's going to be hard to make up his sort of points per dollar value conceivably. So it, sometimes just the guy that's the highest owned is also just the best play. And that's crazy to say that about Jordan Howard, because, you know, preseason, we never would have mentioned like that would never, ever have been on the table, but Things change so quickly and rapidly in the NFL and the pricing when it doesn't change quickly enough, then you just need to sort of snap it up.
0: Let's talk about some of these other backup running backs that are now the starters because everybody's hurt. Jarek McKinnon, Dwayne Washington, and Charles Sims. How do you feel about these guys this week?
1: Well, the McKinnon and Washington ones are, well, they're different for different reasons, but they still have other Players butting up against their opportunity. So Washington still has Theoretic there. I mean, Theoretic was an atrocity last week when they tried to run him every down. I think at one point he had like eight carries for minus 10 yards or something like that before he was able to bang off a good run. But just having those other guys in the mix, it, it really lowers their overall expectation. So that's McKinnon. And McKinnon's actually is different. McKinnon's is more that he's just not going to be the goal line guy with a down and close guy. They'll probably defer to Asiata there. That's what really buzzes those two guys off for me Sims actually falls into that Jordan Howard category of he is factor enough in the passing game that you can consider him too it's just his matchup against Denver is not good and so that's where that's where he sort of loses his value is that it's it's hard to conceive of him, really having a great game against a still very good Bronco defense. So I don't like them all sort of for different reasons, I guess. But they're all, they're all in that value discussion, but I just really have a hard time seeing the overall upside for any one of them.
0: You know, if you watch Charles Sims play, and I know this is going to sound kind of crazy because he's a backup, but he's, one of, he's definitely – One of the most talented 15 running backs in in football, maybe even top 10. So I look at that Denver defense and I say, yeah, that's an incredible defense. But at his price point, I don't think it's a bad GPP play. I think there's upside there. He could have a great game even against a really good defense. And then McKinnon, yeah, he's not going to get the goal line carries. There's no doubt about that. But with his speed he could break off a huge touchdown run maybe even two of them and again uh, i think he's a solid not a solid gpp play but you know i could see someone using him in gpp and it working out for them so i'm not going to encourage anyone away from mckinnon or sims but yeah i'm not touching washington
1: yeah i, I should reference that i usually just ground a lot of my my thought process in cash games and i that's why it, separating those two things for tournaments is different and the the fact was sims Again, if you have a guy that just is going to be on the field the entire time, then he actually does have the upside. I just would I get worried about him not hitting his floor based on just the defense. But no, in terms of upside overall, I would I would rank them. I would say in terms of just GPP upside, I would go Sims, McKinnon,
0: Washington because the, because the, the former two can at least catch balls out of the out of the backfield. And this is what it comes down to: if you take a risk like putting Jarek McKinnon or Charles Sims in your lineup and it doesn't work out because their floor is really low, if it doesn't work out, that kills your entire GPP lineup. It doesn't matter who else is in your lineup. If virtually everyone else goes off, you have no chance at one of those big prizes because you have one bad running back. So uh, take that into account. But you know, if, if he does go off, then you're one of the only guys that has him. So uh, you just kind of have to balance it. No, no, I'm I'm totally with you. And it can be
1: really hard to stare down at those lines especially when you know you just want to hit the top 0.01% of a, of a GPP and when you just get one of those just total duds, then it can just be some of the most disappointing things ever. And that but that's that's what makes these things sort of lottery tickets is that you just have to have every single thing go right for you and the way to you know reduce some of that variance is to have more just to have more entries in general to multi-enter the tournament so that you can you can stem sort of the downside if guys have a bad game, but that's hard to do because of bankroll management. So there's no real perfect answer for for tournament play.
0: So last week, Tevin Coleman was the top scoring running back. Unbelievably. I mean, I had him ranked pretty high, but for a guy like that to jump up there as a backup running back and have the top score, it's really remarkable. Which obscure player this week could do that?
1: Well, this one's way off board, but I don't mind it from the way he's sort of trending, and it's Spencer Ware. And so if if Karchandrick West—I have such an impossible time saying his name— if, if West if West were not to play especially, then Ware would really jump up for me. Even if Ware, even if West were to play, though, Ware's uh, touches and snaps have been going up each week. And so at the beginning of the year, it was almost a 50-50 split, and it's just gone more in Ware's direction every single week. I don't think people will be on him because one, they'll look more in the cheaper range of running back, like with the Howards of the world that we mentioned before, or the more expensive guys like Gordon and, and we didn't talk about, but like Lamar Miller falls into that sort of upper echelon. I love David Johnson too. You mentioned him. So Ware falls into this sort of no man's land middle ground of price, which is really, really easy to ignore. And when you do that, one, most people just won't look at him, I think from that, from that point of view. And if you think that his volume is going in the direction of he sees, you know, 20 to 24 touches, then I lo- I kind of love the upside on him, especially cause I don't think anyone's going to play him at all. And so, I mean, the Eagles were able to run a little bit on the Steelers last time around, like Wendell Smallwood just blew it out of the box. So I, I kind of like where from the, his metrics are trending correctly in terms of opportunity. And I just don't think any, and that's a guy that I think easily people will just skip right over.
0: Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. That's the name I was going to say. So I, I'm disappointed again um, because I thought that I had I had something uh, you know original to myself. And I was telling uh, I don't remember who we had on the other day, but I was telling them we got a, a review on iTunes saying you just agree with people too much. Well, you know what? If they're if they're saying the right place, what am I going to do? Spencer, where is that guy this week? Now there's one other guy that I see, and uh, you guys are all going to laugh because. Uh, You guys know, I hate Matt Jones in fantasy football, but you know, we saw he had one great week last year and it was against a, a bad tackling team. This Cleveland Browns defense was so bad last year that every single week we picked on them, whoever was running against them, we picked on them. And I think we forget that they were that bad against the run because there's been some other teams this year so far that have been worse against the run, but there's a lot of upside there. Any player, uh, Matt Jones is really the only guy getting the carries in the backfield. Chris Thompson's mostly a pass catching back. And anytime, like you said, he's going to get 20 carries against a defense like that. I don't care if he's number 27 ECR. He has a chance to be the number one guy. I'm not going to bank on it. I'm not going to play him in any of my lineups. But if you're looking for a home run that's uh, you know nice and cheap, Matt Jones could be your guy. And he's going to be low owned because he's Matt Jones. This is the this is the.
1: Because when you get this far into the NFL, it gets easy to sort of do a, a stars and scrubs approach to your lineups because you'll have some of these other cheaper and there's some some wide receivers that help you with this this week also. Because you can save at other parts of the lineup, this middle tier of player is the easy and you know he falls into that Spencer Ware category of just like pricing. They're so easy to just skip over because you just don't need to play them, right? Like So it, because you don't need to play these guys because you've already found your your value in the Jordan Howards of the world. This price tier, you gloss right over. And because of that, you get separation on, like you made a great point. He just is the guy in the backfield. And if he's just going to be the guy and they're going to get up a little bit in the game and just try to run the clock down, then he, he kind of falls into that category of upside for the two reasons, one volume and two, no one's going to play him. So yeah, no, I like uh, this, is the, this is the easiest tier to skip. And it's, and it's the one that you can probably take the most advantage of at this, like, kind of
0: this time of the year. All right, Doug. We know it comes down to volume so much. So, who's going to get the most carries this week? The running back position. I mean, it's hard to. I would say probably either
1: Melvin Gordon or Lamar Miller, but I think the guy that most people will skip over is Legarrette Blunt. Legarrette Blunt's what they've used him without Brady and sort of just being so crazy banged up at quarterback at this point, um, to the point where if you're discussing playing Julian Edelman at quarterback, then you know you have pretty you have pretty significant problems, but. Blunt, I'm looking it up now, Blunt leads the NFL in total rushing attempts this year, which I don't think many people know. <laughs> um, he has 75 rush attempts, Miller's second with 74, and then it's Elliott, and then there's a pretty st- steep drop-off after that. I think Gordon is in contention if the game plays out for him and because there's so much pace. I think Miller, because the Texans have just said, we're just going to hand this guy the ball every single time, <laughs> and that's just going to be what we paid for. But Blunt is the guy that I would say is the dark horse to have it because the Patriots are so banged up. They don't, they have very few other options and they just shown their hand with
0: this. They're happy to just run the ball as much as possible. So he's kind of my sneaky guy to get the carries. Doug, it's really funny that, that you think he's a dark horse guy, because I have him as my, as my number one guy to get the most carries. And it's because he's been getting so many and who's going to be their quarterback. Garoppolo's not coming back. I don't care what they say. He's not coming back. And even if Brissett comes back, which is, you know, it it might not happen. He's saying that he's going to, but it might not happen. Even if he comes back, Blount's going to get 25 carries, at least. At least. And if he doesn't come back, then what? Do they just do they just put Blount behind center and let him run every single time? I, I don't know if they'll be able to stop him. That offensive line is good, and Blount's just a wrecking ball. But he's going to get so many carries. And I'm afraid of, of Lamar Miller this week because he's going up against Tennessee, who was a really underrated defense, and especially their run defense. They've got Jarrell Casey, who is... He's a star. Nobody knows him but he he is a total star and I don't think they're going to hand the ball off because I think uh O'Brien's smart in uh in Houston. I don't think they're going to run the ball that much. I think they're going to throw it. So to me the other guy is Ezekiel Elliott. I love the game script. They're playing against the 49ers. They're probably going to be up. They've been feeding the, this guy the, the ball so much and I think it's going to continue. Dallas always does that. They they always give their running back the ball so much and uh because of <laughs> like, what's that
1: They're clueless <laughs> about, how, about how you're supposed to deploy personnel but no i like i love that elliot call and no des they're gonna just they're gonna need to they're gonna need to run it so those are the top three guys blunt miller and elliot just in terms of just overall into raw production but uh now i'm with you on elliot if anything our system we're probably just a little bit low on him in terms of oh, 22 and a half carries right with miller yeah those are the three guys but those teams have just shown their hands they just that's what they're going that's just their plan right that's just what they're going to do
0: so on our last episode, I made a bold prediction that Elliot's going to have the best running back performance of any running back so far this year, 180 for two touchdowns. And I, I have him in both of my lineups, FanDuel and DraftKings. And if you're listening and you haven't played DFS before, hop on over to DraftKings, build your first lineup. There's over a million dollars in total prizes that are up for grabs this weekend at DraftKings.com, the destination for one week fantasy football. That means no season long commitments, play when you want with the players you want just pick your contest draft your team and follow the action live use the code carry at draftkings.com now and play free with your first deposit that's carry c-a-r-r-y to play free for your share of over a million dollars in total prizes this weekend only at draftkings.com eligibility restrictions may apply see site for details doug let's move over and talk about wide receivers now is the antonio brown worth it at that price yeah, I think so. I, when we're talking about guys that just stand
1: out from, from the pack in terms of how their teams use him, he is, he's the example at wide receiver. And then there's maybe one other player and then there's a pretty steep drop off after him. He's at, in more than 13 targets a game. There's nothing different about their team. They don't have a lot of other wide receiver options. I know they have and Bell back this week, but, and he's a target, sort of guy out of the backfield but so was D'Angelo Williams so I don't really see and they're not going to play those two guys together I don't think at the same time they might I guess there was a note about Bell maybe playing in the slot but overall the long um, this is a long winded answer to say yes I think he's worth it he's especially worth it on FanDuel where the pricing isn't separated so much but on and on DraftKings will maybe a little bit closer because it's harder to make I think it's just general their pricing is a little tighter considering the way you need to set up your lineups but yes I think he is he's just He's just so much, he's, he, they look at him so much more than most other guys in the league that it's really just hard to replicate that.
0: I think the opposite. I think he's an absolute must play on DraftKings because they're full PPR and you know he's going to get so many targets. On FanDuel, I can understand if someone's not playing him, but I'm playing him in almost every one of my lineups and the reason why, he's at home. Him and Big Ben at home just have something going on. I don't know what it is, but I refuse uh, to fade him when he's at home. Uh, unless, you know, they're playing like Josh Norman or Chris Harris Jr. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not as good of a matchup, but he's still probably going to put up great points in that matchup, just not good enough for his salary. So yes, uh, I think Antonio Brown is absolutely worth it. No,
1: no. I mean, it's, you can't argue with it. And last, should, I mean, my my avoiding him on DraftKings thing is probably overstated. It's it, He's a great play. He's the clear tippy top wide receiver one in fantasy. And it's like I said, it's not really that close because other teams, other target hogs from previous years, their teams have either shifted in a way where they simply don't need to be that guy or there's some injury concerns with them. But Brown is the one guy from that upper echelon of early season. And I would call that like Brown, Jones, Beckham, uh, Those are the, and maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Those are kind of the four going into the season. He's really the only one left of that group that you can trust for the for the to get maybe in that 13 to 14 targets per game range, which is an insane number. So no, I'm totally with you. He's, he's in a class by himself when it, when it comes to that
0: kind of, when it comes to looks. Yeah. Yeah. If Jones ever gets healthy, I'll put him right there, but we just haven't seen Jones at hundred percent this year. And so Ryan's been spreading the ball around. Yeah. I wouldn't put Jones in that
1: territory back. I wouldn't actually even go back to them because the Falcons just have some other options now, like Sanu. So this is the thing that kind of burns off Beckham too, is that no longer it was before it was Beckham and then Ruben Randall, who was awful. Now it's Beckham, uh, Sterling Shepard, and Cruz. Now it's Jones, uh, Sanu, Tammy, and two guys out of the back. Two guys out of the backfield that can receive. So, so I think it's more of. I don't think I would have a hard time ever putting Jones, even if I saw like a fourteen-target game for him, which I don't think you're really going to see again. I would still have trouble putting him back into the class because they just have other options. The Steelers don't. The Steelers' wide receiving core is sort of like what like it was last year. And it was like what it was like for those other guys last year where there just weren't other options. So that's why I don't think those other guys ever creep back. I mean, Hopkins has Fuller now. So
0: these guys, I don't think they're going to creep back into that territory. That's a really great point, Doug. Um, Now, these are some of my favorite players to talk about. If you're punting one of your wide receiver spots, who's a dirt cheap option that has a lot of upside? Well, I think one
1: guy that is going to continue sort of on his trajectory of targets is Cole Beasley. Because with Dez out, I mean, likely out. I guess he hasn't been officially ruled out, but it really doesn't seem like he's going to play. Beasley was already leading that team in targets with Bryant on the field, and he's not a guy where other teams will scheme against. So sometimes you have trouble putting, a, supplanting a new wide receiver one because before they were getting this team's second-best coverage. Beasley out of the slot isn't going to run into those sort of problems. And so I just like him. He's really cheap on draft kings. If you're looking at PPR, a guy that has a chance for like double-digit catches in that 3,000 range for me, it's Beasley, and then the other guy is Terrell Pryor. Um, Pryor, for kind of different reasons, but they he's still coming very, very cheap. The Browns s- kind of said, well, we don't really have any other players, so I guess Terrell Pryor is going to kind of try to do everything for us now, like throw a couple passes, maybe run the ball a couple times. Like They're treating him like how Ohio State used to treat him, sort of. <laughs> um, and if, that's, if he's just going to see the ball in every facet of the game out of the wide receiver— I would have his DraftKings price is kind of almost a must play for me, but I would even consider him up to seven thousand on FanDuel. So those are kind of the two cheaper guys that I, that I that I like this week.
0: I have two different options. One of them is on DraftKings because of the PPR, and it's Steve Smith. He's just getting so many targets. We've seen him have huge games. Uh, he's playing angry right now uh, because of all the trash talk going on, and he's going up against that Oakland defense. So Steve Smith, I think he could absolutely explode maybe get himself 10, 11 receptions. And at his price point, he's 4,500 on DraftKings. That's real cheap. And then over on FanDuel, where, uh, you know, it doesn't get as cheap. You've got Brashard Perriman sitting there at 5,000. And we know he's one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, He's been getting himself plenty of snaps and it's trending upwards the more he learns the offense. But, you know, I could see this being a scenario where he catches uh, two real long touchdown passes. And if that happens, he could be right there in the top five. He's got that kind of upside. Once again, I'm not expecting it to happen, but I think he's a killer GPP play at that price.
1: Well, I, I mean, just as a point of honesty. Well, one is uh, Perryman's a guy that I started to look at make sure he's correct in our system. This is why I like I love talking as much as possible to other people about fantasy football because just you just learn so much more by you know, reading or just discussing stuff. So Perryman's a guy that has, was sort of off my radar, but I was, went back and double checked that we're correct on him. Smith was a guy I actually wrote up for our wide receiver value column this morning. So I'm totally in lockstep with you on him where if he's, you know, I think he's been seeing somewhere in that nine to 10 targets per game. He's still very cheap. So I love the Smith thing. And I'm glad you mentioned Perryman. So I know it can go back and double check and make sure we're correct on a guy like that, which I, we might be low. So no, I'm, I'm right with you on those guys. Oakland's Oakland's defense is, uh, is,
0: is no good. Yeah, it's it's real, really no good. Khalil Mack's got to step it up. I thought he might be the second best defensive player in the NFL this year, and he has not been very good. Well, they they shut down. Um, well, they shut down. Tennis. I loved Mariota last week, and that just was a huge crash
1: and burn scenario. But um, so it's like a little hard to evaluate. This is why even early season, it's tough to totally tell about what a team is going to be because you know they didn't look bad against Mariota, but that could just be a, a Mariota and personnel issue more than it is a. You know, uh, kudos to to Oakland for shutting them down. So, I think I'm still willing to say that they're they're bad. But you know, whenever you have a good game against really anybody, it throws it into question. I'm still totally fine targeting the Baltimore guys though this week.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's look at exclusively DraftKings for this question because we're going to be talking about PPR. Which wide receiver, and I'm going to make this besides Antonio Brown, is going to end up with the most receptions this week? Well,
1: the the top so the the top the i was mentioning with brown that there is another player in the sort of target range as him and that's mike evans so mike evans is just a tick behind him in terms of overall receptions it's funny about him so he plays denver this week which is not good but there's few other players that are getting the sort of looks and they've shown that whether or not they're winning or losing they they will just continue to throw to him as much as possible like he had, he had an 18 target game and there's very, very few other guys in the NFL that have that kind, like that kind of just number of looks that they'll see in a game. So it's hard to say that he'll have the most, but it's also sometimes hard to argue with just what a team is planning on doing. And and the Bucs' idea is just to throw Evans the ball over and over and over again, whether they're winning or losing. And if you're, that's going to be the case, and it kind of game scripts out the window, so he's up there. I don't think many people will play him. It's probably not correct to do so against Denver, but I wouldn't be. It wouldn't shock me for him to just be in that upper group again. And again, I'm mostly talking main slate. There's a couple issues here with you know whether or not we talk Thursday game with AJ Green or like that early game with uh, with Ty Hilton. So if I'm speaking speaking totally off main slate, I would say a guy like Evans, just because the team is clear about what how they want to use him.
0: Yeah, I, I've only been talking about main slate. I even forgot about those <laughs> games a little bit. But uh, the guys to me, it's, it's the same guys as always. DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, if he plays, uh, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans. And then there's one other guy that really stands out to me, and it's Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin at Atlanta. I think that is going to be maybe the top scoring game of the week. And we'll talk about this a little bit later in stacks. But, you know, he doesn't really have any competition for uh, for targets there. You look at the guys behind him, Teddy Ginn still getting the second most snaps. Devin Funches is a huge disappointment. I'm mad about it because I was so high on him. I told everyone go get Devin Funches and uh, I was just so wrong. All the reports on him were wrong. He's not ready. Uh, I don't know if he knows the playbook. He's not running routes right. There's so many many things going on with him, but Kelvin Benjamin's the guy there. I know he got a zero last week, so that means a lot of people are going to be off him, but it's a perfect matchup. There's going to be a lot of points scored, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kelvin Benjamin grabs himself 13 receptions.
1: It's funny. I'm I'm with you. I love him as a play. I would say that the one target last week is a huge, is a red flag for me, right? So, because you will just not see that out of really any elite receiver. Like, there's no way any of the other guys that we've listed so far will ever just see one target in a game, and. Like and that so when it does it could be an outlier but it also could be a sign that something is wrong now they've had there's no injury thing and the coach has come out and said it's my bad that he only got one target i'm not sure exactly how that works minnesota is a good defense so you can factor that into it as well but the fact that they were playing from behind and he still only saw one target i that's my only red flag with him so i Again, I'm, I'm with you. I love him. He was on my list of, of guys that I you know, want to discuss. He's a value because I think people will look at that game log and be worried about it. But whenever you see sort of that outlier – we talk about it with baseball sometimes. If you see a pitcher who's great go out and pitch two innings and just get lit up and not strike anyone out, it raises a red flag because you're like, oh, maybe he's injured. Maybe there's something else going on. That's sort of where I stand with Benjamin now. So I lowered his projection just because it's I can't trust that he's a double-digit guy that being said, he's definitely the clearest bounce back candidate of any other player this week. Like if he saw 12 to 13 touches, it wouldn't shock me at all. If he was
0: in the million dollar lineup, it wouldn't shock me even a little bit and I love pairing him with Newton. How do you like him compared to those other two breakout wide receivers, Marvin Jones and Stefan Diggs this week? I would probably take
1: him because of game script over both of those guys. Jones has been a huge conversion guy. Like his it really doesn't it's it's not likely that he keeps up his yards per catch. I know he's like I know he's a deep route runner, but his his yards per catch is so much higher than like the next closest guy that I I'm a little worried that there's a regression coming from him. There's some talk about Golden Tate getting more targets again. You, it's hard to trust trust coach speak, but um, there's a couple of signs that I get a little bit worried about him. Diggs, I just don't know if he's going to. He's definitely a clear possession guy, and they they don't have a ton of other receivers. They also just don't run a ton of plays, and they are willing to just run the ball when possible. So of the three guys. Benjamin to me has the most upside and maybe even the highest floor, though my concern is the one target is definitely a concern for me. I'll say this.
0: If Alshon Jeffrey is out, I'm taking Kevin White for receptions over Antonio Brown. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I know that that's really going out there, but look at Chicago's depth chart. They're going to have to throw the ball so much this week. He had 15 targets last week. He's in the top 15 in the NFL for targets, more targets than Alshon Jeffrey. And all they have behind him is Eddie Royal. They don't have anybody else. Jeremy Langford's a pass catching back. He's out. Jordan Howard, I don't know what he's going to do. But Kevin White, I would not be the least bit surprised if he got himself 18, 19 targets this week if Alshon's out.
1: It's interesting. Well, So our, our system is modeled off of, off of targets um, just in general. So we do everything based off targets and opportunity and hope that people sort of regress to their historical averages. It's hard to know that with young guys like rookies. I'm with you on the volume, I think, because I didn't realize actually he was so high. We had him for eight targets projected, which I'm fine with if Jeffrey is around. And I think that's generally correct. I kind of still was not totally aware of how high he was in terms of, just the, in terms of the league, in terms of targets. But um, yeah, I would probably go to, if Jeffrey was out, I would probably bump him to like 12 and a half targets, and that would be good enough for him to be in all of our optimal lineups. So I'm um, yeah, I'm with you. That's just, this is where you need to evaluate news up until the last second you just can't set a lineup on thursday and just hope it all works out for you because guys like this like one one injury like jeffrey cascades to multiple different players and it would just even be sort of game script independent well they would probably just be getting killed anyway so they'd be throwing more and more and you know i love that especially if hoyer has shown that he wants to throw to him yeah white's definitely a guy that wasn't on my radar as much but probably would have crept up in that situation where you mentioned with jeffrey
0: Man, Hoyer loves him. It was like those two were playing by themselves, and nobody else mattered. He was just throwing him the ball so much. Uh, Doug, let's fly through tight end and defense, and then we're going to take a quick look at stacks before we end this episode. Is Gronk actually going to play? Is he startable in DFS?
1: I don't think so. the The Patriots just aren't the same team. I don't. Even if it doesn't matter for me if he plays or not, I don't really want any part of it. And. You just can't trust this. Is I was going to mention this with Blunt and I'll mention it. It kind of holds true with Gronk, too. The reason I don't have Blunt as the highest overall uh carries guy is maybe a little like Belichick PTSD on my part, where (laughs) they where they you just can't you just don't think you can't know that the thing they did last game or even the previous three games was the thing they're going to do this game, and that's the only reason I don't want to take Blunt up to the same level as those other guys. But Gronk, I just don't see a game where they need to overuse him to the point where it would be worth it in DFS, right? Like they've come out well beyond anyone's expectations with being 3 and 0. This is way more I think they ever thought was possible without Brady. They're playing with house money at this point. Why risk? Why go out and have a 14 target game for him, right? Like I just don't see why you would even do it even if he was healthy. So the, I, the long story short is no, I do not think he's worth it to play. I, I wouldn't play him really in any scenario. I don't even think the upside's even there for GPPs. And I, and I rarely say that with anyone with GPP because you can make the case with anybody. I have almost impossible time laying out the list of scenarios that where it works out for Gronk. So I think I would say no.
0: Now there's some real nice value plays at tight end. Dennis Pitta is down at 5,400, and we have him number five on ECR even though he's number, what, 16 in salary in FanDuel. Kobe Fleener, he's number 15 in salary at 5,400. And he, he's a great tight end, too. But if Antonio Gates is out, is Hunter Henry the best value play? Yeah, I think so.
1: T- tight ends are so variable because they're never... The variance on them is higher. Like Their coefficient of variation is higher than wide receivers because they're never the team's number one option. So you, you can't really imply a lot of safety from tight ends because usually, at best, they're the team's second look. Usually, it's much further down the chain in terms of reads. So, when it, it, I think it's almost always correct to go cheaper at tight end and just hope that you get into that six to seven target range. And Hunter Henry is the perfect example of that, where if you can just get him five to six targets at forty five hundred on FanDuel, I think you're just totally fine playing it. Like Fleener's not much more expensive, and I like where he's been trending in that offense. So he's another guy. I, I'm definitely, I definitely like. I mentioned Zach Miller before in that range, just because he was, a, I think, double digit target. So I don't think it, this is the, this is the, sort of the case against Gronk as well. Is that you just really are hard pressed to pay up for these tight end guys because they're just not they're just not their team's first looks.
0: All right, let's move over to defense. Who's a contrarian defense that could force a bunch of turnovers this weekend? Defense is hard this week. I. I, I, this is the one position,
1: well, it's not really a position, I guess, but it's the one position where I find, I was really finding it difficult to know exactly where to go. I usually just like to go safe in terms of don't spend much, kind of hope for the best in a team that's a favor with a low implied total. I don't mind the Cardinals this week. The Cardinals have been a little maligned on defense so far this year. They I don't think people will play them from that point of view. The game should be a little slower, but they should be ahead. And if you think they're going to be ahead and Case Keenum is going to be throwing from behind, then that's a nice situation for them to grab, (laughs) just you know, a tipped ball here or a sack here and there. They're not cheap-cheap, which is the reason I probably wouldn't go crazy with playing them, but I think they have things set up for them pretty nicely, all things considered. And I think people are pretty off of them because they've had such variable performances up until this point. So the Cardinals are a team that, there's upside there, but this is like I I should throw the caveat. The defense I think is is a very difficult venture this week. You'd be probably correct to just spread some ownership to a couple different teams and sort of hope for
0: the best. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a hard week for defense, but I do think Arizona against uh, the turnover machine in in Los Angeles is the top defensive play this week. I also like Washington against that third stringer Kessler in the home game. Now there's two contrarian plays that I'm pretty fond of this week. I like the Jets at home against Seattle, and especially if Russell Wilson's going to be out. Um, you know, Russell Wilson's really good, but he's clearly not himself right now playing with that ankle. And I could see a situation where they're shutting down the run and and he's throwing a couple picks. We've seen some real bad games out of Russell Wilson. So, you know, it could definitely happen here. And then my other one. The Buffalo Bills defense, who was a top 10 defense going into the season. Now they're all the way down at 4,300 on FanDuel, which is way near the bottom. And they're playing against a third string quarterback who's not healthy. They're going to be able to shut down the run. I don't care how many guys are hurt. Um, if they key in and, and put seven in the box, if they stack the box, I don't think they'll have any problem shutting down Blount. And uh, and then Brissett will be forced to throw, and that could be ugly. Well, right. And and.
1: It's easy to forget, but the Patriots got really lucky last week against the against the Texans. They had they forced a couple of turnovers on kickoffs, which put them in an insane field position and then they were able to just basically have the Texans play into their hands after that because which is that I mean the Texans had just some horrendous play calling, but um it, if you play that game out a hundred times, it would not have been a shutout each time because they just had some of these things sort of just go in their favor. I think the bill uh, the bills are a decent defense because of that I don't even mind going the other way with the Patriots too. the Patriots have been playing just crazy great defense. It's like almost like they've just wanted to step up and just said we'll just win the ball on the de- or win the ball, win the game on defense and that's just that's going to be our game plan. I don't mind going the other way. It's Vegas clearly doesn't know what's going on with that game because I don't I think even as of right now the game was off the board. Like I'm not sure you could put in uh you couldn't put in a an over under bet on it. So I think everyone's just a little bit clueless about what's going on in that situation and when there's that much uncertainty it doesn't usually mean it's going to be like this crazy shoot-em-out game. It just means we're all, we're all kind of wondering, and that's like just the kind of game that you
0: can have things kind of, uh, the ball can bounce your way. Now let's move over to stacks, and if I had to pick one stack for cash games, I'm going with Drew Brees at home. I'm stacking him with, uh, with Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks, and uh, maybe maybe Mark Ingram as well. I think they're going to score a lot of points, and it's a pretty safe bet.
1: Yeah, I think with Stacks, I would probably go with Cam and Kelvin, even though I, I've said some reservations about about Benjamin. But I still think I'm all over Newton. And I the, the safety you get with Benjamin, if you think he returns to being a target guy, plus the upside with people being off him, I, I think I would go that way against Atlanta. They haven't faced a bad defense yet. This is the first really bad defense that they faced all year.
0: Now, if we're going contrarian stack, who do you like? Well, the contrarian stack is interesting. I
1: think I would probably go with a guy like Stafford and then maybe a, a Golden Tate if they wanted to get him into the game again. Again, this is this is way off board, I think. But if you thought that they were incentivized to get Golden Tate sort of into the action to keep all mouths fed, then he's proven in the past that he can be a target guy. And Stafford, it's easy to look past him when you see some of the other like the Breeze, Rivers, and Newtons of the world. Like he would definitely be fourth among that group. So I don't mind going that direction, especially if you think Marvin Jones has been running really hot this year and Tate
0: has been not in the same same class. So yeah, I don't mind going that direction. I like Baltimore too, but I don't think it's necessarily contrarian. To me, the pick is Trevor Simeon with those two big wide receivers, Demaryse Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. We saw what Simeon could do last week. I I know it wasn't a great situation uh, for that defense to defend against him, but man, Tampa Bay's defense is beat up. I could see the same thing happening this week in Tampa.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, he's a really, really difficult guy to evaluate in terms of just overall projections, because whenever you just don't have a baseline performance to work from, you're just sort of guessing about what the player's done on a week to week basis. And that makes it really, really difficult, but it also makes it difficult for everybody. (laughs) So like everyone, everyone has the same problems, I think, in terms of guys like that. And he's just another guy that you can... Easily just skip over. <laughs> uh, you, you would skip, like when you said Trevor Simeon, I was like, what? But then I, the more I thought about it, it was mostly just because he's a guy I had skipped over. Not because it was correct to skip over him, just because sometimes when I don't know, I'm just like, well, moving on to the next guy. But no, I love that he has guys to throw to. They'll throw out of the backfield a little bit too. And he's been all, all things considered pretty accurate. So I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Doug, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Uh, as always, fun talking to you. Looking forward to doing it again, and good luck this weekend. Yeah, guys, you too. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Good luck. For those of you listening, that's all we have this week. We've got three more episodes coming at you next week. And remember to enter the My Playbook Ultimate Sweepstakes by subscribing and reviewing on iTunes, then copy and pasting to an email. That's bobby at fantasypros.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just so.